The weather is finally getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince. Now I've got a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year, like premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost like the middleman that passes the savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. I am so excited. I have two gorgeous, lightweight cashmere sweaters coming my way. One camel, one heather gray. I cannot wait to wear them in the warmer months when it's chilly in LA. Throwing them over my shoulders. Going to look so cute. Can't wait. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash judging Megan for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash judging Megan to get free shipping and 365 day returns quince.com slash judging Megan. And now back to the podcast. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hi, everybody. This podcast is sponsored by Mindful Wellness. I am so excited to be partnering with Dr. Gupta. I'm actually a patient of theirs. And I am really upfront and open about my own journey. I'm on the shot myself and I'm just restarting it. I had taken a break from it and already I'm blown away by mindful wellness. Have you been considering getting on these skinny shots and going to a med spa or a gym or a salon? Are these people even licensed? At Mindful Wellness, they offer a comprehensive weight loss program that goes beyond some mysterious shot. And what sets them apart is they have licensed doctors and nurses. They have unlimited health coach appointments, monthly appointments with real doctors and nurses, and insurance in some cases can support you. Their responsive patient care team has been amazing. You can reach out to them Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. via call or text. They even have a holiday special valid through December 31st. $250 a month program only includes one clinician appointment a month and unlimited health coach appointments, insurance assistance included. And then they have a $399 month program plus compounded semaglutide. Enjoy the benefits along with the compounded semaglutide. In addition to the above, they also offer, which I'm also using, the menopause and perimenopause help. I'm telling you right now, if you live in states like Washington, Florida, Oregon, Texas, Illinois, New York, Maryland, Texas, Pennsylvania, Georgia, Nevada, or hello, California, you need to get in touch with Mindful Wellness today. Go to their website, mindfulwellness.com, and schedule an appointment today. That's mindfulwellness.com. And now back to the show. You are listening to Judging Megan with your host, Megan Judge. Um, So it was my birthday yesterday, and... um, it was a big one and it was not fun and don't Google it. Well, you're going to probably Google it. I just ruined it for myself. Um, this was a not easy birthday. I feel extremely old. Every year that I age, my mom says stuff to me like, well, at least you're on this side of the dirt, like all of that kind of stuff. And it's true. Um, I am so fortunate to be here. We all are. But Being a female and aging is not 
an easy process, especially you all listen to me. I'm maybe one of the vainest people on the planet. (laughs) I'm owning it. And it's just, I kind of felt not happy yesterday. And and it was my birthday and I should be happy, but I was really kind of like, I don't like getting older. I don't know. I know that everyone that's listening is probably like, shut up, own it. You, you, you're, I'm in like the prime of my life. I'm healthy. I can, oh, by the way, I can still touch my toes. So that's impressive. I can kind of do, well, last time I did it, I'm going to bring in Cassidy in a second, but last time I did this, I pulled my hip. So my husband told me I'm not allowed to do air splits anymore because I literally couldn't walk anymore. So I don't do like when I'm maybe having a buttery Chardonnay and getting too excited. I now know that I know my limits, put it that way. Um, I also got a Roomba for my birthday. Nothing says happy birthday like a Roomba. Um, and that's what I asked for. So I asked for a Roomba. I didn't want jewelry. I didn't want a purse because I that makes me nervous because I know what I like. And if I tell my husband to pick something out, if he's listening, I'm sorry, Ron, but I don't know. Hi, Cassidy. Any thoughts on what I just said before I introduce you? First of all, I think it's awesome that you got a Roomba. My kids call ours Wally and he cleans up after all of our messes. (laughs) You know, as we get older, we need the practical gifts. (laughs) It's so true. But also, um, well, I told this story on with my last guest. I'm a, this is weird and I'm going to briefly touch on it. So I'm obsessed with cows and animals. I, I just, this is so strange. So I went to this gentle barn in LA. I told this story last time and I met this cow and his name was John Lewis and I became obsessed with the cow. And then, and Cassidy's literally like looking at me, like, what did I get myself into today? (laughs) I have horses. So I think it's great. Yeah. <laughs> Named my Roomba John Lewis. I love that. That's awesome. <laughs> and he's he was working downstairs before I came back upstairs and then he crashed into something and got caught. So I was like, maybe I put should put John Lewis back on his um little little case or whatever they're called. They're like a little thing that you put them on. He needs a moment. <laughs> he does, but by the way, everyone, um, best birthday or gift ever that you can give somebody with two Labradors a Roomba. We've all Everyone, been put here for a reason. I am going to introduce we all my deserve acceptance. Judging Megan with Megan Judge. I'm a trauma survivor from a really young age and I have been diagnosed with complex PTSD in the past few years. I've been surrounded by death and abuse much of my life. I've been dragged through the mud and have been to the point of not wanting to go on anymore. Through my interviews with other survivors, I've learned that there is a way out. From recovering to surviving and thriving, we all have the strength to come out the other side. You are listening to Judging Megan. I am going to introduce my beautiful guest today. Cassidy Novak is a public speaker and an author and a mom to triplets, which I can't wait to get into that. Um, Her book is called I Can, I Have, I Will. Finish the rest for me because I vainly took my glasses off and I can't see. Oh, no problem. Um, Blooming through life's greatest tragedies. I can, I have, I will. Okay. I love that title. And um, I I just, I was too vain to put the glasses back on if you're watching on YouTube. Cassidy, welcome (laughs) to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm blessed and happy to be here for sure. So tell me, let's start here. I always start here with my guests. Where are you from? Um, I was originally born and raised in Ocala, Florida, which is in the center in a small town, grew up on a small farm. Um, I now reside outside of Chicago in the Chicagoland suburbs, and I've been living up here for almost 18 years, but I go back to Florida for the winters. I migrate <laughs> because it's too cold. And oh, it's, that's the yeah. benefit of homeschooling my five kids is we're able to do school wherever we go. <laughs> so. so you... so. I never can understand, and I have a lot, I actually have a lot of listeners in Chicago. I've been, I've been like maybe a couple times and I love it there. I think it's It's so beautiful. beautiful. It is such a beautiful, clean city. 
It's gorgeous. On the lake, it's just beautiful. It's beautiful, but it's so cold. I don't. And if you're from like Florida, I live in in California. I I couldn't be that cold. I need my sunshine. That's like the biggest thing. My mom growing up always said vitamin D can heal just about anything. And it's true. So I need to migrate south. I fully embrace my calling of being a snowbird in my 30s. That's okay. I fully embrace it. I'm I'm hoping one day I can just be a snowbird, but I don't really want to go on an RV. That sounds scary. Me neither. Um, yeah. Tell Unless me it's a major li- glamping. I'm out. Oh, me too. Oh, you you had me at hello with that. Yes. So tell me. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about your childhood growing up in Florida. Yeah. So I feel very fortunate. Um, I was raised, my parents are still together, raised in a very, very great home. Um, But even in the safest and best of environments, you know, things still happen. And at age seven, I had started developing um, severe anxiety and pulling my eyelashes and eyebrows. And then by age 14, was really struggling with anorexia and bulimia. So I was struggling going, okay, I've had this picture perfect childhood with horses and a pool and a mom and dad who loved the heck out of me and great older siblings. What is wrong with me? You know, what in the world? Why am I so frustrated and insecure and everything like that? And then later, which we will go into with my accident, it was that I had dealt with sexual abuse as a kid and it had I had suppressed it so far that I started getting all these symptoms. So I say I had an amazing childhood. I was blessed. Um, I suppressed it. So I didn't remember those things. Um, but they came out later, if that makes sense. No, it de- it definitely makes sense. And just so you know, I also, because um, you don't know my story, I used to pull my eyelashes out. Okay. And my mom used to lose her marbles on me as a kid, because I would pull them out. It was an anxious habit. And I also am recovering, recovering from an eating disorder. So this all makes sense. When you were a a kid and this happened, so you, what ages were you being sexually abused that you put it out of your mind? Do you know? Yeah. So I went through a lot of therapy for this. Um, I actually did EMDR therapy. Mm-hmm. to Huge. really uncover. Yeah, yes. I love and, EMDR. Uh-huh. Yes. And it was, I mean, because I had, after um, the brain injury that I ended up having later from a boating accident, you usually lose memory and all of my full-blown memory, like I had full memories coming back of like details of even a pattern of a bedspread. So through the EMDR therapy, I've narrowed it down to, I believe it was between the ages of four and seven. Um, when a child or a person is sexually abused, it usually happens more than once. And so I had, it happened several times with me for more than one individual. And, um, you know, it's kind of crazy. I'm sure you already know this, that you can shape a child's memory and personality to the age of seven. So I think that that might've had a lot to do with it of how I had suppressed it, either that it was trauma or that I was scared of getting in trouble. I don't know why I suppressed it, but I've suppressed it so far that when I got put in counseling, because I was struggling with the pooling, I was struggling with the eating disorders. They said, you know, she's textbook for sexual abuse. And my parents would ask me and I'd literally say, no, no, nothing, nothing happened. So you know that this is, I mean, I'm sure you know this because you're a survivor of sexual abuse, but this is such a common thing. Oh, it's like, it used to be one in six. I do believe now the active statistic is one in three or one in four. So one in three of, of putting it out of your mind or, or of of actual abuse victims. Yes. Yes. But there's also, we don't talk about this No, No. Well, but, but I also believe that our parents' generation and then their parents' generation, they were raised. You don't talk about it. You don't air your dirty laundry. But what I have found going through the healing process is if you don't bring it to the surface, you can't fully heal. You have to deal with it. You have no, to deal with and it's, to you. And it's all I've ha- I've done a, several episodes about sexual abuse and children and, and remembering it. So obviously I talk a lot about adverse childhood experiences and being an ace. So you were an ace. If you went through this, I'm an ace myself. Um, this, this 
all of this stuff makes sense, our brains are not capable of storing that information. So I don't know the actual updated statistic on people that can't like put this out of their minds and then yeah, remember I'm not sure it. That either. I'm writing book number two and I should definitely look into that. It's, um, it, but it's very focused. high. It's oh, a yeah. very high statistic. I feel like not only women, but, but boys who have mm-hmm. been molested or sexually abused. Um, I feel like it's so humiliating and degrading for them that they almost convince themselves it didn't happen. No. Because and that's feel, the thing. You feel partially responsible and to blame and just so humiliated by it. So I feel like in some sense, even if they do have a memory of it, they convince themselves it didn't happen you know, just to try to survive. It's heartbreaking to think, I mean, this is such a common thing, one in three kids. And I did, um, I, I've done episodes on this and I had this, uh, a very famous, um, her, her, her Instagram's called consent parenting and her name is Rosalia Rivera. And so for my listeners that didn't listen to that episode, maybe go back and listen to it. But she told me that statistic, of one in three and it's so high and it's so scary. And you're right. Like our parents' generation or the generation before, they just did not talk about things. And if there's one thing that we are fortunate to be in a time where we can kind of get to the root and the bottom of these things, like thank God we can and we can talk to our kids about this, right? So I am so, so sorry that that, that, that happened. So tell me, you said you had a a happy childhood. You had put that all out of your mind, Mm -hmm. but you, yet you were, you know, self harming and, um, struggling with an eating disorder, which all kind of is in line with what would happen. And then did you move on to kind of have a regular life, go to high school, happy college? Tell me about that. Yeah. So, um, I was actually, I'm a very go-getter. Mm-hmm. So um, it works well for me having five kids and being a motivational speaker and stuff. Um, I went on to high school. I was like the first to graduate under the Academy of Entrepreneurship. I was um, a cheerleader. I was involved in all of the clubs, um, went to a local college. And um, I would say that even though I was successful on the outside, there was definitely absolute turmoil on the inside. I was angry. I was very, very angry. Um, and I was like, why am I angry? You know, again, on the outside, I've got a beautiful life. I have all these blessings, but, um, I had been raised, you know, in a faith-based home. And I would honestly say that scripture and going to church and stuff had become really mundane to me. It wasn't my own. Um, and so at 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 this point, I was right at 20 years old and I was numb. I was numb and angry. As weird as that sounds, I was both of those things. I had done things that I swore I would never do. I almost didn't recognize myself when I would look in the mirror. Um, I feel like I became kind of jaded to where I just was stopping to care about anything because I felt like even though I've got it all together on the outside, I feel like I'm failing. So there was a point in my life where I really challenged God, I guess you could say of, are you real? Is this, are you real? Is this real? And I literally had gone to church the day before my boating accident happened when I was in college. And I felt somebody touched me on the right side of my head. And I startled and looked up and wondered who it was. There was nobody there. Talk about chills running down your spine. And the very next day, when I was in college, was on Memorial Day 2004, went out on um, boating, on doing all kinds of water sport activities growing up in Florida. Mm -hmm. And on that last time around the lake at sunset, I fell off an inner tube, hit something in the water, and ended up getting half an inch blood clot in the whole right side of my head. I ended up being airlifted to Orlando, um, had to undergo extensive brain surgery, and the surgeon said, you know, we cannot figure out with the, the the amount of bleeding you have on your brain that your skull didn't cave in. It was almost like you were wearing a motorcycle helmet. I believe 
that was the hand of God touching me and protecting me from what was to come. And um, I think that that moment, Megan, things started to shift. Things started to shift because I knew that there was more worth living for than just me and my pain. Um, as they were running down the hallway with me to surgery, the last thing I saw as a huge bright light overtook me and literally my body surrendered. It's convulsing down. I remember looking down and my body's convulsing, but I couldn't feel anything wild. And it was like a scene out of ER. They're running down the hallway with me. And as the light overtook me, they said I was about two minutes from death. I saw a butterfly on the ceiling. Oh my gosh. And butterflies represent new life, rebirth, And I went into like an eight hour long surgery. They warned my parents. They warned my family. She's most likely going to go into a coma. I did not. In fact, at that point in central Florida, I was the only case that had such a severe brain injury that woke up. Then they warned them, she's not going to recognize you. And I recognized all of them immediately. And I was on breathing machines, having seizures around the clock and, um, I can honestly tell you, I've never experienced pain like that. And I think my pain tolerance is a lot higher because during the surgery, they sawed through my entire skull. I have five plates, got a really cool scar. I've got five plates and 25 screws holding my skull together to this day and was never supposed to walk again, have speech impairment. And my family applied their faith every step of the way. And there is actually a Bible verse that says he will hold you in perfect peace whose mind is steadfast upon them. And there's no explanation as to why my family didn't lose it when I was literally on death's doorstep. And I was telling the story about how a couple of the people from the lake pulled me out of the water and saved my life. And this was at the hospital as I'm in between seizures and the boy stopped me and said, no, 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 no. Don't let me be your angel because not only Megan, did I have the experience of the hand touch on my head as I was face first in the water coming in and out of consciousness, I couldn't move. They thought I broke my neck. And before they could get to me from the boat, I was hoisted out of the water. They all were just dumbfounded. Okay. Can I just stop you for one second? Cause how many minutes in are we? Like 17. Yes. I, I'm already crying, which is normal. I cry a lot nice. during these episodes, but I just want to stop you for two reasons. I'm very, very spiritual as well. I talk a lot about signs. Um, and my for my listeners that know that have been with me since the beginning, I lost my best friend very tragically. And my sign is a butterfly. Really? So Yes. No coincidences, you realize. No, no. So when you just said that, I was like, what? No, that there's no way that you're talking. So it's, it's a common sign of our loved ones being with us, but also a sign of rebirth, a sign of, um, I believe like angels are with us or whatever it is. But I think that, that being able to like really tap in with this stuff I believe in this. I don't, I believe that God's with us and for everybody, God looks different. So a lot of my guests maybe aren't, you know, I grew up Catholic, I'm spiritual. Um, but God doesn't look like the same to everybody. Right. But there's too many things and too many stories and too many guests that I've had on that have told me stories like yours to ever make me think that there is no there's right. nothing after this and there's no, yes. the, whatever God looks like to you with you or angels with you or signs that you need to look at. So the right. fact that you were able to tap into what, that what strength a, from, yeah, whatever that being. was. Yes. So, you know, I've had people ask me, well, how do you know God's real? And I can honestly say, because I've wrestled out my faith and I know that he's real because I physically experienced. There's no reason I should be here today and be able to talk to you. And then they told me I probably wouldn't be able, I could could have a lot of trouble having children and fast forward, which I know we're going to get into it. We had naturally conceived identical triplets as our first kids. We have five beautiful children, but we were not on fertility. It does not run in our family. 
So I believe one of the main reasons my life was spared was for these incredible children to be brought into the world. And the chances of having naturally conceived identical triplets, like you have a greater chance of winning the lottery, I think it's seven times or 17 times. <laughs> so you can't tell me there's not a God. You can't because. No, I mean, I, when, when I read your bio and you were like, I mean, because I was skimming it and looking at it and then I was like, wait a minute, three, you had three babies that are identical and you didn't yeah. have science intervening. That no, alone. It's even running our families. It's not like, you know, like the multiples can skip a generation. We have yeah. twins um, in the family, but it, gosh, it's like one out of 16 births now are twins. So yeah, no, it was like, they told me twins for six, seven weeks. And I just started to wrap my brain around that. And then it was, oh, oops, sorry. We missed one. I'm like, what? Well, let me ask, <laughs> let me ask you this because yeah. the fact that, you know, that's like the accident is horrific. We have a boat, we go on the water and now I'm sitting here. I always go to the worst place of like, I never even have heard of something like that happening. Oh, that I there's, know. Crazy. I mean, the chances of that. Well, what they is, screened the lake uh-huh. and all they found that they believe I hit was a dead gator. So that a should what? make you feel a little, a dead gator. <laughs> so that should make you feel a little bit better being in California. <laughs> Wait a second. You kidding. hit a dead alligator. In- well, they think I killed it when I hit it. Oh my so gosh. It'll probably be one of the first things I ask God when I get to. Um, you're like, you're like, I have a whole list. Well, right. no, but this is, a. I mean, that. That's it. Yeah, that's the unbelievable. They were worried that somebody else might hit it. So yeah. they were like trying to see if there was an old dock or like floating um, wood or something like that. And all they found was a dead gator. We were out at sunset. So, you know, if I killed it, I did society a favor. Can I ask a question? And this yeah. might, this is from somebody that's not, I mean, my mom had a house in, on Kiowa Island in Charleston, South Carolina. So I've spent okay. all my relatives live there. So I, I've have, I'm familiar with the South, but, and my mom lives in Florida. Hi mom. Um, but tell, explain to me, do alligators live in the lakes? Like I didn't yeah, think that. It's so funny because growing up there, I didn't really think anything of like the sharks and gators now that I've lived in Illinois and we go in Lake Michigan, I'm like, wow, I don't have to worry about gators or sharks. And now I'm nervous going. Why is it because people are, they're crossing into the lakes from the lagoons. Can you explain that? Oh, they all live in the lakes. I mean, my, my, both of my parents are what, you know, born and raised in Florida and different things like that. Oh no, they live, they live in the lakes. They live in all of the things. Okay. Well, now I will not be swimming in those lakes. That's very <laughs> terrifying. Not at sunset. <laughs> at sunset. So that's when they're yes. out and early morning. That's when they're out. Yes. Okay. Well, just so you know, if you were in California, we have coyotes and that's when you nice. don't go out. Yeah. Because okay. because they'll eat your dogs and cats and whatever else. Yes. Okay. We, I went off on a tangent. <laughs> yes, which is, sorry about No, it's sorry my about, fault. I just was like, time. how did you do that? Okay. So... <laughs> like reeling it back in to what we were talking about. Mm -hmm. I, it's a, it's really honestly a miracle and miracles happen. I mean, they do. We have to be willing to look for them though. Okay. Um, So explain that to me. Okay. So I call them kisses from heaven. I believe that there's little miracles and gifts to be found every day, even in like the worst, most frustrating worst of days. And, um, when I was evaluated at the hospital, um, they told my parents I would have to go to a brain rehab facility for a minimum of two to three months to relearn everything. So I was taken by ambulance to the brain rehab facility, and that um, was so traumatizing. Um, I was the only one there with that 12-inch incision that was not in a wheelchair and was not drooling on myself. And so I realized that 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 moment, Mm -hmm. even more so how fortunate I was Mm -hmm. that my life was spared and I was somewhat normal. And I had to relearn how to read again and all these other things. And no joke, they called my parents and were like, she tested above her age. So literally 10 days 
after my accident happened, I was released to go home as medically unexplainable. I mean, when you just said that too, my story in the beginning of, of being vain and, and not, and being annoyed because I'm getting older. I mean, this honestly puts things really into perspective when you're sitting there and you see people struggling and I feel obnoxious that I even had the audacity to talk about. I was so insecure and vain. Um, I mean, I think we all Mm -hmm. struggle, you know, with being self. Yeah. One of the things I talk about to people is if, if you are in a bad place in your life, if you are really struggling with depression stuff that you need to get up and get out, you need to get up and get out of your situation to go help somebody else because you don't have to look far from you to see that somebody has it way worse than you do. And that helps you get out of your funk when you get your mind off of who? Yourself. And so I had long blonde hair and was, I would say, very self-absorbed. So having my head shaved um, was a huge humbling experience. I literally had my head shaved, had this huge scar incision that was 12 inches long. They had um, cut through my jaw muscle for the surgery. So, I mean, just the, the, the recovery process in itself. The fun thing about that, though, Megan, <laughs> is I like now have rocked pretty much every hairstyle you can imagine. Even if I have a horrific haircut, I know it's going to grow back and it's not worth <laughs> having a bad day over, but I wouldn't have felt like that if I hadn't gone through what I've gone through. And it also gives me a lot more compassion for other people and where they're at. Yeah. I mean, this is like the whole point of when you just said what you did, I mean, my looking back on my life and just so you know, my listeners know I struggled with uh, suicidal ideations and not wanting Mm -hmm. to be here four years ago, three years ago. And I started this podcast so I could help other people and, you know, normalize talking about mental health and all the things that we are talking about today. And I talk about every episode. And so it's so true, like taking yourself out of feeling sorry for yourself and going out and helping somebody else is the the best gift that you can give yourself, you know, is, is helping other people. That's, what were, I think has saved my own life. And it sounds like that saved you as well. And just being able to realize like your hair is going to grow back. I'm going to be okay. I'm still here. All the things that you had to deal with in the recovery process. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. This time of year is the worst. I feel like I can't do anything and I can't enjoy my dinner because I can't taste my food and I can't work out because I feel tired and distracted. I can't even feel like I can host this show because my voice sounds like a duck. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D designed for serious allergy sufferers. Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. I feel like I've been using Claritin D for probably a few months now, and I have really noticed a difference. I can work out. I'm not feeling like my eyes are watering and my nose is all stuffed up. I can speak without feeling like a frog has jumped into my throat. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Can you tell me once you got to the point, because I know you had, you had said that you started, I want, I'm skipping ahead because I want to know about how you got into that, the beauty circuit, the beauty yeah. pageant circuit. So my hair had just started to grow back. It was like punk rock short. And there was newspapers and different ones doing articles on me from around central Florida. Um, as you know, the medically explainable or the walking miracle. And I had a local scholarship pageant contact, um, 
contact us and asked me if I'd be willing to run for it. And I was like, hmm, I don't know. I mean, I hadn't done things like that before. I'd always been a performer and a singer. I've always done theater. I've written and recorded. Oh my God, Um, we're like the same person, Cassidy. Go on. Kindred spirits. I love you. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. um, Go ahead. Yeah. So I had always been a performer and stuff. And my mom just happened to mention, she's like, you know, this would be a great way for you to have a platform to get your story out there to help people. So I went up as Miss Silver Springs and went up against all these other girls and literally won this thing with my hair barely growing back, which was just wild. And I was able to get scholarship money. And I would like to, I like, I honestly would say that I'd always been a singer. I didn't know that I had like a natural gift for public speaking. And this kind of skyrocketed me into that because I would speak at graduation ceremonies and different events around the community and preparing for, you know, uh, I was a contestant in Miss Florida for Miss America. So, and got scholarship money there. And it was really cool because once I got there, there was girls that had followed my story and they would ask me, you know, can you pray with me about my cousin who has cancer and different things like that. So did not win Miss Florida, but it was an amazing, amazing situation, like just circumstance for me. And I would believe that that is like the main thing that taught me about public speaking and just how to carry yourself. And the fact that I won a beauty pageant like six months after my brain injury is just incredible. It just a- reiterates, it reiterates everything. I, I was, t- I'm, I started a speak, speaking as well. And so I was talking yesterday to like 250 teens via Zoom on my you. birthday. And, um, and they were, they work for a charity. And so I was kind of telling them my story, but I love what you're saying. Like you just, and it's so important. You never know what's around the next corner. So to be Absolutely. in the depth, I feel like we're always like, yeah, looking for the next big thing or waiting for the next promotion or waiting for the next vacation. And we're like, we're missing out on our greatest gift, which is the present right now. Yeah. And that's why it's called the present. So it's so important. You know, my book is I can, I have, I will. And I got the title from, you know, like the little engine. I think I can, I think I can, whenever you're facing a trial, honey, if you aren't facing one now, you're going to be facing one really soon because that's life. Life is full of trials and we can either buck it and have a bad attitude about it and be upset about it. Or we can be like, okay, what is in this for me right now in an area I can grow in to become a better person who then pays it forward to help somebody else going through something. So that's where I think I can. I have done this before. I will be able to overcome again. And the whole purpose of blooming through life's greatest tragedies is that no matter what season you're in, even if you are right now in the abusive situation, even if you are literally hanging down by life, like by a thread for your life with a life-threatening disease, even if your husband has left you, even if you've lost a child, no matter what season you're in, you can actually choose to bloom. And it comes from choosing gratefulness. It comes from looking for those little miracles, those little kisses from heaven that are, let's say, um, your thing is butterflies and you're out and driving around and somebody has a butterfly on their bumper sticker. That was a little kiss from heaven just for you. We just have to be willing to open our eyes to see that there's gifts all around us, even in the worst, ugliest, nastiest of times when life is unfair. Something I tell my kids, life is unfair. You cannot in any way control what happens to you. You can only control the way you respond to them. And you can choose to not let other people ruin your day and situations. It's so true. It's so true. And, and like, just to piggyback on what you said, you know, you never know who would have thought that you were going to be doing these beauty pageants when you were, before you got on that water ski, you know, or who would have all, it all like worked out to get you to where you are today just Absolutely. like my, in my story, when I was telling these kids yesterday, I didn't even know what a podcast was. I didn't even yes. like, I was like, what is a podcast? Like people on NPR talking about books, like, and then it just kind of came to what it is today. And 
I didn't even want to go on. I mean, I literally was at that point of not wanting to go on and and the butterfly thing, I'll bring this in because it's so true to look for the signs. I talk about this story a lot. In my lowest time, I used to go, this was during COVID and I would go on walks and I've told this story on the podcast before, but just I would go on these like long walks and it was when I was at my lowest of lows and I didn't even want to go on and, but I just kept going. I would go on these really long walks every day. And one day I, Julie, it was, is my best friend, my angel that watches over me. And one day there was uh, this huge hill where I live. It's a street that I walk up all the time. And at the very bottom, there was a monarch butterfly because that's my sign. And I was like, Julie, because I would talk to her in my head all the time, sometimes out loud by myself, like, oh, people would stare at me like, what's wrong with the girl? <laughs> but anyway, um, and I'm at the bottom of the hill and this, I see the monarch butterfly and I was like, Julie, and the butterfly walked, like didn't walk, but flew all the way up this giant hill right by my side. And it's a huge hill. And if you live where I live, it's the hill of Artesia and Gould. So we're gold turns into artesia all the way up to the top. And I just, I've had so many experiences like that. And I'm, as you have in your life that we're talking about, that it just makes me think like, keep going. I talk about it all the time. You have to just keep going everyone. And we're all going to struggle. Like you said, we're all going to go through loss and death. And if you're not in it now, you're going to be. So you have to to hold on to these things, right? And you got to keep going because you haven't finished writing your story Mm -hmm. and you haven't fulfilled your purpose. Otherwise you wouldn't be here anymore. Yeah. You're still here for a reason. I mean, everything you're saying, you had me at hello with literally everything you've said since the beginning. I think we're so similar and, and I love it. Like I yeah. almost am like, can you come to my house? But you live in <laughs> Chicago and it's too cold. Um, so let me let me ask you this. So then you you're in these beauty pageants. You're yes. obviously a, a excuse my language, but a badass. Tell me about <laughs> where you how you ended up like today with your three kids. And I'm yeah. I know I'm kind of skipping ahead, but you're I, fine. You we I can jump know. around because we're moms and we can multitask. We sure can. We'll do it. Um, So I was speaking at a graduation ceremony and uh, was asked to stand up in one of my closest college friends' weddings. And two weeks before this, so funny, um, two weeks before this, uh, one of the pastors at our church announced he was moving to Chicago to start a church. And I was like, I just really felt like I'm going to be a part of this. And my mom's like, "Uh, we don't know anybody in Chicago. Two weeks later, I go to this bachelor bachelorette party and I meet my future husband and guess where he's from? Chicago. And I had been previously engaged before, right before my accident. Um, He had been in a serious relationship for several years and it sounds so cliche, but this saying that when you know, you know, like I knew the moment I met him that he was my soulmate. Like I... And he knew the same thing. We were literally engaged and then married one year to the day of meeting. So we have the same anniversary as our friends that introduced us. And we walked down the aisle together and we got married a year to the day, sunset on the beach. And then I moved up to Chicago and it was culture shock <laughs> to say yeah. Yeah. the like life and... um individuals and career and everything is so different in the South versus up here. And I had like outgrown my little pond and then was like a guppy in the ocean. So it was culture shock. And I want to say about six months into my marriage was when all the full blown memories came up of the sexual abuse. Wait, can you repeat that? You're saying how long into your marriage? about six months into my marriage. So I was in culture shock, left everything and everybody I'd ever known, moved up to Chicago, was dealing with serious depression and anxiety, missing everybody. Um, And 
had these full blown. So I was still, I feel like I was still healing physically. And another thing is I was like the walking miracle. So I never really felt like I could complain about what I was dealing with Mm -hmm. going through such a horrific trauma. I just needed to be the thankful walking miracle. And so I hadn't really dealt with the fact that I stared death in the face and I have gone through change. Um, I, I only produce 3% serotonin from my brain injury. I've had to do hyperbaric chamber treatments. Um, I'm on medication. Um, and I literally felt like that was failing, but I'm not producing. I remember the doctor saying, so you're telling me if you had a hole in your heart, because we're looking at your spec brain scan and you have so many holes in your brain. They're not getting any blood flow or oxygen. You, You know, you're telling me if you had holes in your heart, you wouldn't take medication to help that. And when he said that, it was like a light bulb went off of, no, that doesn't mean I'm failing. That actually means that I'm willing to accept help that I need. And so I, I went on, you know, medication to help me with, cause I also contemplated taking my life. Um, which sounds crazy because my life had been spared. No, but this is, this makes sense because a lot of yes. times people, you have, you got your brain, it, you had a major brain injury. So after major. that, and then coming and your up, your personality and stuff does shift and change. Yes. And my husband and I had fairy tale whirlwind romance. Like I literally, like it was something out of the movies, everything about it was perfect, but we, we pretty much dated after we got married because we lived 1100 miles apart. And after we got married, um, he had sexual addiction that came out that I was not aware of. Uh, we've actually dealt with infidelity in our marriage with the addiction. And then I went through the whole sexual abuse thing. Um, again, walking through that though, we had, we chose to stick it out. We chose to go through recovery on our own. Like I worked my healing, he worked his healing and then we came back together and I can say that our marriage and the love we have for each other because we've walked through these things is better than I could have ever hoped for as that naive 22 year old madly in love and walking through that at the exact same time that all my sexual abuse surfaced was just like, when it rains, it pours. I was dealing with infidelity in my marriage. I was dealing with all of these horrific memories coming back to the surface. And literally I felt like I was kind of like losing my mind. Um, and I didn't have the support system cause my family wasn't here. My friends weren't here. And it was at that point that I started, you know, doing EMDR therapies and different things like that. We were at a good place. Thank God, like a pretty decent place in the recovery process when got pregnant with triplets and talk about that throwing you into growing up overnight. <laughs> I remember, I remember I was worried. I was like, oh, mom, we're going to need to go to like a, you know, a hospital, like a parenting class because I had nannied until I had kids, but Cliff had never been around any kids. And my mom was like, oh, honey, he'll be able to diaper anything within that first 24 hours because we changed over 30 diapers a day. And we had babies in the NICU. We had a baby come home. Chloe came home on a heart monitor. Life was crazy. Life was hard. I had postpartum depression. And it was at that point that I really started to realize with each of my children, I've lost a little bit more of myself in a good way of not being so focused on how I feel and what makes me upset and all these other things. I realized that other people's lives are just as important as mine. And so I need to get over it. And I started working on healing, healing myself. And in that process, Megan, I learned that if you don't forgive the people who have betrayed and abused you, you can never find wholeness and healing. And I, I say this because oh God, I, I need to hear this today. Go on because I deal with this I as say well. This because yeah. I do not believe this is my personal opinion, but I do not believe that a person can be truly set free and truly healed and made whole unless they forgive their abusers and those who have betrayed them. Even if that person 
never ask for your forgiveness. This is a huge thing. And it's not, and it's, and it's, it's, it's like the big, I think for me, this is the biggest challenge of my life. You know, and you're hundred percent. I I cannot forgive. I cannot forgive. And I talk about this. I've been doing this for three plus years and I'm dealing with therapy and like trying to work on forgiving. And it's good. I just can't I'm not there, but I, I know you're right deep down, but you will be. Okay. Well, I, here's how I can say you will be. Tell me how, because (laughs) you haven't given up trying. Mm-hmm. And I have told we've, you know, we've counseled so many other marriages on the verge of divorce. And I've counseled many other people who are ready to take their, their life. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not a licensed professional or anything like that, but just with what I've walked through in life, just helping them realize that there is still hope. There's still a reason why you're here. And if you still feel that anger Whenever you hear that person's name or you think about that situation, then you know that you are still not quite there with the forgiveness process. And sometimes you have to speak out loud that you've forgiven them a million times in one day. And there's power in what you speak. There's so much power. Cassidy, I think you're so right in so many ways. But and betrayal, by the way, I'm specifically talking about in friendships and yes. whatever it be. Well, it's the closer very, they are to us, the deeper oh, it cuts. Yeah, especially like I talk a lot about a friend breakup and women that were awful to me. But I, I'm working on like my for myself. I could care less about them. Mm-hmm. I need for myself to get over it and forgive. I'm never going to get a sorry from any of them. So that's what I'm talking about in my, in my situation. But I think you're right. There's a proverb that says, if you don't forgive and if you hold on to unforgiveness, it's like drinking poison from your own cup and then expecting it to harm the other person. There's a root of bitterness that can take root in our heart. Mm -hmm. And I believe from experiencing it myself that it then affects relationships with everybody else, including ourselves. Oh, I think... I think that you are so, so right. And I haven't wanted to deal with this. And I think it's funny you bring this up because I was yesterday on my birthday, I was like, this year's going to be good. I'm getting over this stuff. I need to like put it away. And, you know, a lot of it stems back to my early childhood and, you know, like I'm a trauma survivor and an abuse survivor. And so all of this stuff makes sense. And I think you're so right. I love you know, let me ask you this. Cause I, mm-hmm. I wonder if you've gotten this question. Yeah. So a lot of my listeners have different beliefs and not everybody believes in God. Not everybody's right. spiritual. Spirituality Correct. looks different for everyone. Mm-hmm. I can tell you're a really amazing lady and how important your relationship is with God and treating other people. Do you think that, do you think that that, that if somebody doesn't believe in God or believe in the, all of the Bible verses and all the things like they can still be okay with everything you talked about. Okay. First of all, I would challenge them to ask God to reveal himself to them. But what if somebody just like, they're literally closed off to it. I would say something that really, really helped me was Mm. I had to make myself take an account and this was a messy process. It's kind of like if you're cleaning your house and you opened up a closet door and like, oh my gosh, you're bringing all this stuff out and the room gets way messier before you see any breakthrough. I, I kind of attribute it to that. And I would say to make yourself sit down and you may have to do it more than once and you need to write out every hurtful thing that you can think of that's happened from childhood on and it Mm -hmm. sucks and it hurts and you need to write out those people's names. You need to write out that one word that was said, like you're fat or you're dumb or nobody loves you or this, whatever it was, or you were passed over for a job promotion or you were accused of something you never did. You write out all of those things in that person's name. And you write it out and you visualize it and you look at it and you take it in. 
and then you literally release it, whether it is you're burying it, whether it is you're burning it, whatever it is that you need to physically do. Mm-hmm. You need to say, I forgive this person. I forgive this situation. And I am no longer going to allow it to handicap me and keep me from living my life to its fullest potential. I'm no longer going to let this weight take over my heart and this root or bitterness affect my relationship with everybody else. And more than anything, I'm not going to let it steal my joy anymore. And you release that person, you release that situation and you be done with it. And whenever it comes up in your mind again, that betrayal or something is said that triggers you, you remind yourself, nope, I forgave that. And I choose to forgive it again. I already burned that list. That list is I'm gone. literally going to have a barbecue after we're done yes. and I'm going to like take a bunch of, I'll be writing a notebook for a year. No, but yes. I love everything that we've talked about this episode. I think it's so, so important. Yes. One of, you know, and I, when I bring up like the spiritual component or God or whatever God looks like to you uh, listeners, whatever it is, um, I personally know that everybody has different beliefs. I believe in this world that we should all be kind to each other, that your color of your skin, your sexuality, whatever it is, we should all, yeah, love each other, Mm -hmm. accept each other. There's so much negativity, whether it be through politics or whatever it is in the world, be kind, be kind to someone. Say hi. Because you have no idea, even if a person's awful to you, hurt people, hurt people. And you have no idea what that person is going through in their personal life. So how much better would it be if you smiled and then found something to compliment them on? You might be the only light and joy that might walk into their life. And I feel like it's so important that we don't be doormats. We have healthy boundaries. We, you know, especially in toxic abusive relationships, I'm not telling you to be a doormat or anything else like this. But when we're dealing with hard to deal with people, it's really important that you still choose to be positive, mm-hmm. that you still realize that they are that way for a reason. So we need to give empathy yeah. and be sympathetic to where they may be at in their healing journey. A hundred percent. Let me ask you, <laughs> yeah, let me ask you in closing. So um, tell me where my listeners can find you. I know Absolutely. that you're a busy homeschooling mom of five children. Yeah. Um, and also really quickly. So you're writing, you're a public speaker. I'm a, a you're a public, you're a speaker. Yes. Um, you're writing, you're writing your second book mm-hmm. and you, I love everything about you since you had me at hello. I say that all the time, but tell me where you are today. Like what's up next for Cassidy? Yes. Um, we're looking, I'm definitely, my husband wrote in my book too. So it's not just for girls. Um, people ask me, what is your audience? I'm like, good God, anybody who's dealt with anything hard. It's not, mm-hmm. I don't want a target audience of just one thing or the other. Um, I want to be able to have a, like bring a lifeline into people's lives to offer them hope that you can forgive, that you can heal and all these other things. So my book is available on Amazon. I cannot have it. Well, it's in Kindle. It's an audio. I recorded the audio myself. Um, my husband wrote in it as well. He's got quite the story. He was a pitcher for the Louisville Cardinals and just all the things that he's come through and everything. Um, so we are looking for speaking engagements. Um, I think that you'll probably put my website up, but my email is my author name, Cassie Glonovac at Gmail. We are, we travel for speaking. We're looking for speaking engagements, working on book number two. Um, What's your Instagram? Can people find you on Instagram? Yes. It's I can, I have, I will. It's my Instagram. And, um, well, I I followed you today, by the way, we followed each other today. Yes. Yes. And I don't just speak in ministry, um, venues. I, I do motivational speaking as well because my story I don't want it to be limited to only certain individuals. My story is I want to help you overcome um, to become the best version of yourself, to learn to bloom in your greatest tragedy. Well, let me tell you something, Cassidy. The fact that um, you were like on a boat and got hit by an alligator um, on the water, um, there's a reason why you're still here 
there's that whatever that was, whether it be an angel or God or whatever it was, you have work to do on this planet. Like keep doing what you're doing. Anytime I'm fortunate enough to meet somebody like you that is living their life to help other people, it just, it's, it makes my entire, you made me cry in 15 minutes and it just makes my whole day. So thank you so much. Everyone in closing, thank you for always supporting and listening. I just am, I'm so excited. I'm almost at a million downloads, believe it or not, since I started this podcast and top Apple charts, um, number 150. So keep subscribing, keep leaving me reviews. I can't tell you how much I appreciate when somebody leaves me just like a quick review. So I know who you are, no matter what country I have listeners in China, Japan, Ukraine, like all over the world. And I can't tell you how much it means to me when you guys reach out to me. And I just love hearing from you. And I'm just so, so grateful to be on this planet. And just sitting with Cassidy today made me realize, Megan, get over that you're depressed about being another year older. Like, thank God I'm here. You're another year wiser. Another year wiser, a hundred percent. Like a fine wine, honey, getting better with age. Yes. Thank you. (laughs) Um, In closing, be happy by making other people happy, everyone. Thanks, Cassidy. Judging Megan with Megan Judge. Thank you.